The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On the round table, Courtney Betty is here of Betty's Law, Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show, and we're being joined by a guy who you hear from time to time on the show, and that's Joe Cristiano, who is busy producing the show, but we've uh, wrangled him into being one of our pundits this morning as well. Let's start with uh, the fall economic statement from the provincial finance minister yesterday. He'll be with us at 8.20 this morning. And uh, to quote the old uh, maxim, he's got some explaining to do. Uh, Deficit ballooning in the mini budget. And next year, we were supposed to have a surplus. We won't. We'll have a sizable deficit. But lo and behold, we will balance just as we go to the polls. Jerry Agar, your thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, I had an expert on yesterday, and I was, what's this infrastructure bank going to do? I don't know. Um, so uh, I suspect what it's going to do is um, kind of like one of the other stories we'll talk about here, take money from productive people and give it to unproductive people. That's what I fear. Courtney Betty, your thoughts? Um, uh, the, uh, I, I actually share Jerry's views on this, John. I, the first thing that I came to my mind when I read it, uh-oh, Metrolinks all over again. Um, so here we're going to put all these funds in and someone's going to benefit and who knows what the end result. But there's a second part to this, John. And I really think that, you know, uh, the, the province may be onto something here. It's just how they structure it. Our, our um, pension funds, both Ontario and Canada, we really look, need to look and see where are they investing those funds right now? Because a lot of that investment, John, is actually happening outside of Canada. So if there is a way that we can bring some of that money back into Canada, create strong investment principles and get some of these issues addressed, that's something that I think the province may be on to uh, a potential solution there. Okay, well, I don't know that he has any power over them, but I'll ask Peter Bethlen Falvey about that when he's here at 820, because you're absolutely right. Like, we're building tunnels in, you know, Egypt, but uh, we're not we're not investing right here in the province. Uh, last thoughts, I realize uh, you're not necessarily an economist, Joe, but you're a taxpayer, and I think a lot of people are having the same reaction as Jerry, which is, okay, we elected this government to rein things in, and they just keep getting bloated. Well, I'm kind of more of the mindset of deficits of it kind of thing because I have a feeling that we've seen this many times before oh we're gonna have this kind of deficit and then two months later the Auditor General comes out with the report well actually we're well ahead of schedule and Robert Benzie will have a story on hey look at that we are in fact ahead of schedule and I'll be booking Benzie on and then I'm sure Marit Stiles will come on so I'm I'm gonna take a wait-and-see approach on that whole deficit thing so it's like a scene out of the prestige where we're being you know faint and dodge they're distracting us and then they're gonna go look balance well again I've done enough booking on this show to know this is how this will end up playing out okay we'll start making making those bookings. Um, Let's see, the NDP is going to back the conservative motion, which will be introduced on Monday, calling for a carbon tax pause on all home heating. Courtney, this is just sort of the next chapter, I think, in the complete undoing, because if you're going to go for heating oil, then people are going to go for gasoline. Everybody's going to be able to make an argument that these are basics in our lives and people can't afford them. It, it, It is a path, John. And so, you know, where do you draw the line? But also... You know, we're heading into the winter now, and there's so many people, and I keep saying it over and over, that are facing challenging situations. Because based on my predictions, I could be wrong, John, 
you know, April or May of next year is really when we're going to see a lot of this impact on the increase in terms of interest rates for mortgage holders. So this, you know, this winter is going to be potentially a very, very difficult one for many Canadians. So anything at all that we can do to help them get through this period on a temporary basis, we need to look at it. The winter of our discontent. Okay, Joe, it represents a bit of a philosophical and political bind for the NDP since they believe in the carbon tax and they believe in fighting climate change, but they're going to side with the Conservatives with taking it off a very significant contributor. So clearly a very principled stance on their part. Yes. Uh, but I, I see, I, I have a feeling that while we do need to rein in the cost of living at the moment, and like Courtney said, you know, the mortgage is coming due and then renewals are going to jack everything up and the cost of heating your home is going, but it's only going to get more expensive as time goes on. So even if we remove the carbon tax temporarily now or whatever, okay, but home heating oil is still going to get more expensive. Natural gas is still going to get more expensive. Maybe we need to start investing in figuring out what 10 years from now looks like in terms of heating our homes so we don't get into a situation where it just keeps climbing out of control. Jerry, this must press all your buttons at the same time. What do you mean? Well, the NDP getting in bed with the Conservatives and now trying to expose the Liberals who they are backstopping, and on it goes. Well, I'll give the Liberals, uh, or the NDP rather, a thumbs up on this. I think if you can get the NDP and the Conservatives working together on something, maybe that's the right thing to do. And maybe uh, at this point, they've both figured out what it is the public not only wants, but as Courtney was pointing out, needs. I mean, this is not uh, some sort of government break on your uh, heating costs. This is a removal of an injurious tax. And the only person who can't seem to figure that out is Justin Trump. Trudeau. So if he goes down in defeat on this one, uh, it's a win all the way around. Uh, Justin, hey, yeah. Jerry, I, I just saw visions of uh, Jagmeet Singh dancing, hearing those comments coming from you, giving, getting thumbs up. I'm sure we're going to see one of his videos online soon. Um, well, know, Jagmeet finally put Jerry, his... Jerry's giving him the thumbs up. <laughs> Yeah, Jugmeat finally put his Rolex wearing uh, hand up in the air and uh, re- and and his finger to the wind and realized where popular sentiment is going. Speaking of Justin Trudeau, all of a sudden he's decided that uh, he's drawing a line in the sand. No more corporate welfare, and I'm not sure why it was a great idea to fund a uh, Volkswagen plant and a battery plant. And now that Toyota is trying to build electric in Ontario, there won't be any more federal money, so they'll probably go to the states. Uh, so. Jerry, I guess he he's having it both ways. Well, uh, I don't think we should have been doing this in the first place. I mean, I have certainly commented against it many times. Corporate welfare, uh, if if EV batteries are a big part of the future, then it's a viable business, and multi-billion dollar uh, corporations can certainly do that business. If they uh, can hook up with politicians who turn the taxpayers into chumps, then I understand why the companies do it, but we shouldn't be playing that game. We are playing that game at least if Justin Trudeau was saying, okay, but there is an end to that game, that's a good thing. Uh, Courtney, Betty, I've always been squishy on this file because there are models, if you look at them, where after seven to ten years, all of a sudden we're collecting enough tax revenue that the whole thing was worth it to begin with. Well, there, there are models, John, but, you know, it, to be honest, I'm also confused in terms of, you know, the level of financial commitment that we're making at this point in time. 
And, you know, maybe it's a good thing to draw the line, um, but we're still on the hook for um, billions of dollars with some of the other announcements that the Liberals have made. Listen, let's uh, hopscotch through a few other topics at this hour, including Toronto faith leaders. We spoke with one of them, uh, sent a letter. I think it's 175 people from all faiths calling on the federal government to do more to house asylum seekers. I know, Courtney, you signaled that you were hot on this one. Yeah, John, John, you know, there's an underlying issue here that no one has really touched on. So I'm going to raise it and I'm going to throw it out there. You know, there are many people within the black community that feel that racism has a big part to play in this. Because when you look at it and you look at who the asylum seekers that are out there sleeping on the street, they're primarily individuals from um, countries that um, they're, they're black individuals. These are black churches that are working now to support. We're not seeing that happening for other groups. And I think it's something that we just got to look at face, you know, face on and figure out how do we help these groups? Why are we paying John 200 or $300 per night, somewhere in that ridiculous range for hotels, when we could provide some funds to support the churches to be able to provide a similar accommodation. Although, Joe Cristiano, that accommodation, it's like being in the Army. I mean, you're on a cot in a church basement. Well, you know, I had a great conversation with Councillor Shelley Carroll about this, and it goes back to something that earlier Nadine Miller from the uh, Pilgrim Tabernacle had said on the air with us. The people who are coming over are able-bodied individuals who have money to get out of the country just grabbing the clothes off their, you know, Know, on their back and getting out of there. But when they come here, now you put, you're putting able-bodied people on the streets to live. That screws with their mental health, and eventually they're no longer able-bodied individuals who now need mental health support, and it just becomes a more exponential cost to keep people, you know, viable, I guess, is one way to put it. So if we're not supporting them when they get here, we're only going to make a bigger, more expensive problem down the line. Important to note that people we're talking about are refugees. They're not newcomers. If you're a newcomer, you've got to promise you've got a job waiting and you're going to have housing and you're going to have enough money to look after yourself. But Jerry Agar, we're now, uh, you know, every year probably, I think we're between twenty-five and 40,000 refugee claimants, many of whom are going to be sent back. Yeah, um, the refugees are a different uh, class than immigrants, as you're pointing out, um, and uh, many of them are in desperate situations and do need help when they get here. Maybe some of them will be sent back, but they're now making up a huge percentage of the people who need shelter, who need food, and it is absolutely a federal responsibility. So if the churches are banding together to go after the federal government, they're on the right track. I think literally everybody should be uh, hounding the federal government for their responsibility, either that or we're going to have to take the refugees and put them on buses and let them out in Ottawa and see if Justin Trudeau will then look after them. What do we make? No, Jerry, just, yeah. a, just a quick point there. The, there was one note that he said, let's use the armor, armories. Let's use yeah. um, a lot of our defense. I thought that was amazing because all of a sudden, you know, no, it's a bad idea. All these individuals. Why? You have control over these individuals. You've got security mechanism in place. All of those things are done until they get themselves sorted out. It's a great idea.
No, it's a bad idea because the armories have a purpose, and that's not it. And uh, Mark Tui was on. He's worked on this in the past. Um, the armories are needed by the army. They actually use those buildings. He said the problem is politicians go out over there in the morning and look around and see a big empty building and think it doesn't get used, but it does. It gets used at night. It gets used on the weekends, uh, and it's a security risk, too, because it's full of weaponry. Okay, we're at a racetrack here. No time left for another topic. So I'm going to say my thanks to Jerry Yegar, Courtney Betty. Joe, stick around and produce the rest of the show. If you insist. All right. Great uh, job, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Courtney. Always a pleasure on a Friday morning. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.